Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Cheyenne Monet. And I'm Matt, and you're listening to Sweet 732, the podcast where life is sweet. And this episode is sponsored by Menwell LLC. Menwell is a community of minority of women business owners known as Menwellers that empower each other to become more financially competitive in their respective markets. That's Menwell LLC, doing business better together. And before you do anything, make sure you follow us online at Sweet 732 Pod. All right, let's get into the show. So turn me up like this is for them girls in the party. Wilding out of covers first freaking getting naughty. Anti-social the gram got you vocal. Still like you been graduation humbles. Just dance with a nigga. Bounce with a nigga. I've been drinking. Think it's time you romance with a nigga. I keep it real chill. No my niggas kind cocky, but you know how I be. I just stay low-key. Boopsin on the gas just to make a trip to see. So today we have two guests with us. Matt, do you want to introduce our guests? Yeah, so it is our pleasure to invite some very dear friends of the show. Um, one of my very, very first friends from my college days, Mr. A.D. Adadapo, and his lovely fiance, Miss Amanda Brown. How are y'all doing this afternoon? Hey, how are you? Good. Glad to be here. Good. Let's great. give them a little studio yeah, round studio of applause. applause. Studio applause. <laughs> All right, great. So thank you guys for joining us today. So just a little overview of A.D. and Amanda. So they're engaged and they're getting married and a few months now so we thought that it was perfect to bring up marriage specifically for the younger generation for our generation millennials and to speak about premarital counseling and why we believe that that is so important exactly um and as numbers show the divorce rates are ever increasing um specifically amongst younger people and so I always thought that what was dope was when I learned that they went to premarital counseling I was always kind of curious to hear what um, led them to to go that route and what it has taught them um, along the way. So today, guys, what I would just love is if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing um, why you opted to go um, seek marital counseling, premarital counseling, excuse me, and just some of the lessons that it has taught you guys going forward. Well, um, honestly, Matt, it was literally... Um answering the question that you just said, it, it was, um, the staggering divorce rate. Um, if I'm going to get married, I'm going to get married for success. I'm going to get right. married to stay together. And so when I saw those numbers and heard those numbers and seen, um, just my own social surrounding, I was like, um, <laughs> we need some help, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> some input exactly. on this. <laughs> yeah. For me. So it actually began, um, so absency, uh, we had that before we even started premarital counseling. You mean abstinency? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, so you have to forgive me. I'm Nigerian. Uh, <laughs> I immigrated to this country at eight years old. So you're going to have some vernacular that, you know, where my accent comes in. Um, but so, yeah, so it started, I think it was May 2016, actually. We heard a message at our church and um, we had a guest pastor and he said, um, you know, I challenge you guys to be abstinent. And if you are, you know, you can double your income. So for me, it was actually... Money game. Yeah. It was a financial thing. It's a, it's a financial thing. <laughs> no shame wow. in that. No shame in that. Yeah, yeah I felt that, um, you know, if I wasn't, you know, being right, you know, with God, it probably had some type of impact upon my finances. And um, mm. the funny thing is Amanda actually wanted to do this a year prior. Yep. So, um, <laughs> speaking of abstinence, so yeah, I, I, um, we had been in a relationship now at that point, um, 
about three years. Am, am I correct? Three years. Mm-hmm. It was three years at that point. And um, like anybody else, just just normal, you know, normal stuff. And um, being challenged on that level of just abstinence and, you know, really linking your personal um, discipline, if you will, to your success was just a was a huge challenging point. So when um, we decided um, together through the exact same sermon was an awesome speaker that came to speak um, about abstinence and um, not just abstinence, but just a lot of um, not just how um, a healthy sexual relationship healthy sexual relationship because a lot of times if you're a christian then it's just not it's just this weird enigma around sex right um and and so he was saying that no sex sex is blessed and it's blessed by god and you should be able to have a health healthy fruitful wonderful nasty relationship (laughs) with one person your husband your husband but before that not share don't share keep that and keep it and keep it to yourself and then on top of that 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 lack of sex will keep the distractions very minimal mm-hmm. and allow you to focus on the things that matter. Right, right, right. So then that opened the door for some some different thinking. And so then the door of premarital counseling came in. Right. Okay. So before we dive into premarital counseling on the whole, right, and Shine and I were having this conversation amongst ourselves not too long ago, um, it seems as though... Uh, marriage is the idea of marriage amongst our generation is i don't want to say it's frowned upon but it does seem as though these days people aren't putting as much value and as much stock in getting married you see a lot of men who are resigned to the fact of having a wife and having a family and a lot of women now are also becoming um okay with the idea that hey if i don't find mr right i'm okay going at the rest of my days by myself mm-hmm. which i think is is i don't want to say it's crazy but like to me I've always grown up wanting to be a husband and wanting to have the whole white picket fence narrative surrounding my family. So when I hear like more and more people becoming okay with that narrative, it's kind of like crazy to me. So I just kind of wanted to just kind of get you guys' thoughts on why you think that our generation has become, I don't want to say afraid of the notion of marriage, but why as it seems as we've gotten older, it's kind of not worth as much to find um, a companion and spend the rest of your days with them. So I believe it goes back to uh, two things. So intentional. Um, so you want to be intentional in everything you do. We are intentional when it comes to our finances, the career that we choose. And that same intention needs to be bought upon the person you're going to possibly spend the rest of your life with. Um, because this person can actually either build you up or break you down. So right, it's right. actually one of the most important decisions you're ever going to make in life. And the second thing is uh, delayed gratification. So if you do everything that is supposed to be meant for the marriage outside of the marriage, when you get to the marriage, it's not a shift, you know? So it's, okay, I've been boyfriend and girlfriend, now I'm married, but there's no shift. But like you said, like Amanda said, if you're keeping yourself and you're, you know, and you're going in, in your own path, you know, and not doing the things that the marriage is supposed to have then there's an excitement that's that you're looking forward to or something. And, right. you know, it makes it more, it makes the journey more adventurous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and going back to Matt's previous thought, I think why a lot of, why a lot of young women and men tend to be okay with that ideal. And I'm, and I'm just going to speak purely from personal experience. I was one of those girls, uh, women, actually, I, 
I, I'm independent, I'm strong, I have my money, and I'm good. If a man shows up, then great. If he don't, good. Either way, you know? <laughs> and, 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 it, and it comes, and honestly, it comes from that space of what you saw before. We are creatures of habit. And I'm purely going to speak from, a, from an opinion, from a personal perspective, because everybody's experience is completely different. But a lot of times, we grew up in homes with one mom. We grew mm, up in homes okay. with one dad. And so you are who you associate with. Sometimes you will do the exact same things that you see. And so you see that mom held it down by herself and she was good. And then on top of that, the guys that stepped in her life weren't that great. So why am I going to put myself through that? Exactly. exactly. So that, so, and, and then there's that, there's ne- there wasn't that opportunity for a healthy conversation mm-hmm. with your mom about men. Right. There wasn't that healthy conversation with your dad about being that woman for man or, you know, where was the conversation about marriage? Where was the educational outlet to enlighten me and let me know how to be that woman? Mm-hmm. So that's where, again, it just goes right back to premarital counseling. Oops, my hat. <laughs> it just goes back down to, to comes back to premarital counseling. That, that was the learning opportunity because it didn't necessarily come from my mom. My mom taught me how to be a woman. But she didn't teach me everything to be a wife. Right, right, right. right, right, right. That's real. All right, so let's just go into some of the topics we wanted to just pick your brains on to see if you guys discussed this in premarital counseling and what you got out of it. So um, managing money. I mean, you guys have already mentioned, like, you want to make sure that your finances are in order. So did you guys talk about that before you got engaged? And then once you got to premarital counseling, how did those conversations change? So, so yeah, so finances is one of the topics that we did. Um, And I sort of come from a a traditional school of thought that the man is the provider um, and a woman should um, support not uh, that is the man's responsibility to provide be careful now be careful <laughs> be careful now so uh we so i remember i remember this clearly we had a diagram uh it was actually a blackboard and we drew all the numbers and it, it was you know what is your monthly expense um every t- what's your monthly expense every month and at this process uh i was in the process of buying my first house and you know the counselor said you know what are your expenses? What have you, you know, what is your future's wife's expenses? And if she wasn't to bring a dime on the table, would you still be able to cover all these bills? Because mm-hmm. the biggest thing is, as a man, I am I am telling this woman that I'm gonna take I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of her. So and excuse me for my terms, I'm gonna say ownership. So Currently, she's under the sorry the guidance of her father, her father right, right, or right. whatever man is in her life. So the day that we decide to get married, I'm saying, hey, you're gonna transfer this responsibility to me, and I'm gonna be governing these things. So finances is a big thing, you know. Mm-hmm. If you can't provide, then you know things, you know, you, things just happen that are not good. So yeah, finances is one of the biggest things we did talk about. Can I ask a question really quickly? So with with finances, did you guys bring up how much debt you're bringing in to the marriage? Because, I mean, we all have some kind of debt, you know, whether it be a car, a house, student loans, et cetera, credit cards. So did you guys discuss that? Yeah. So um, in the class, so so he's talking about two different opportunities here. So there was two, two things we did. So we did a class. 
an actual classroom setting. It was a premarital class. Um, I forgot the actual name of it, but we'll just call it premarital counseling class. Um, cause our church has all these colorful names for things. <laughs> let me tell you. But, um, they, um, and it was a class of about 50 couples. It was packed, mm, wow. packed. And it was a, either you were in a relationship. We weren't even engaged at this point. Mm. We weren't even engaged. You were either you were in a relationship and you were thinking about getting married or you were already engaged and you had the date set. So that's how that worked out. So then he talked about, he's, that whiteboard session was actually an independent session he did alone with mm-hmm. uh, one of the counselors as okay. well. So he did that by himself. So that, and then we also have one-on-ones that we do as a couple with another. So that's like after you get engaged. So there's like, it's like steps throughout the process. Um, now the financial um, aspect of it all, in the book, we had to talk about that. He knows how much I have in college debt, 100%. Mm-hmm. He, on the other hand, doesn't have college debt because, you know, mom and dad, um, well, his dad was, he was fortunate enough for it to be covered, you know. Right. But then there's the other side of that, you know, like with the house, you know, that debt or his credit cards, you know, things like that. So right. we had to be that transparent. So when you get into the marriage, it's not a surprise. Because exactly. one thing we learned, crazy, crazy, three things that make marriages fail. Crazy things. Finances. Yep. Communication in a different sexual language. Mm. Sexual language. Isn't that interesting? Wow. So yeah. we learned that in the class, like mm-hmm. those three things of and and so finances was like a whole like two days, I think it was. It was like no not two two weeks. It was two weeks because we went every Sunday. Okay. So it was two weeks of just like going through it all and just kinda going through it with a fine tooth cone, even looking at each other's credit score, all that different stuff. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. Ugh, that sounds that sounds heavy, man, because I can imagine if you've never had those conversations with somebody, and I think this is what's great about premarital counseling is that you have the opportunity with a neutral, unbiased third party to have certain conversations that you know, you may not otherwise be necessarily comfortable discussing in some, in some shape, form, or fashion, specifically around finances, when you can you know, have someone looking at your credit score and potentially all the other um, financial things that you may bring into the picture... I think it's important to have someone there to kind of avoid you becoming overly defensive and kind of shutting off and to kind of remind you that as uncomfortable as this may be, ultimately it's going to be for a good cause and it's ultimately going to be for the betterment of your relationship. Right. Okay, so let's move on to one of the next things that I was really um, interested to know is that we all have like our best friends, our sisters, our moms. Let's get into this. How much did you guys set a limit on how much you will tell those people? Because from what I've heard um, from different situations is that if you tell someone too much, you know, usually we confide in people when we're having a bad day, Mm. you know, or like, oh, he's getting on my nerves and I just need someone to vent to. But then sometimes your family, they'll have that stigma of that person and they'll always remember the bad Mm. things because you're not telling them all the good things. And that's especially pertinent to your most like loved ones. So take, for example, I imagine if you were to tell your mother, um, you know, say AD's getting on my nerves, mom, this, that, and the third, and you say that not every day, not every week, but you say that often enough so that every time your mom hears AD's name, she associates AD with giving you a hard time. And if right. AD were to say that something about you to his father, then every time it's Amanda, it's oh, Amanda's this and Amanda's that. Right. And we, like Shy mentioned, we don't often go out of our way to praise each other when we are like doing things that make that other person's life easier. Well, we might praise each other internally, right, but we I'm might sorry. not let other people know 
all the good times. So did you guys set a limit on how much you will, you know, talk to your family and friends about things like that? Um, so yes, we learned that one early, very, 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 very early, way before, like I'm talking about year two. Um, AD is a very private person in general, Mm -hmm. a very private person. That he is. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I remember, um, one time we got into a fight. We got into a fight like any couple does, right? right. And, and so um, I, of course, who did I go to? I go to my older sister and I'm rapping to her and I'm going through all these different things and just verbatim how the conversation went and that's that, that and on the whole nine yards. And then, you know, I go back to him and he's just like, he's just like, well, who did you tell? And I'm just like, oh, I told my sister. He's like, why? Right. Why? And he said something so profound. It's between you and me. Now, some people may take that as like, oh, he's trying to guard you or he's trying to hide the things that are bad and, oh, people can can um, provide an, 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 a different perspective. But when it's you, our pastor said something so profound one time. You probably remember, Miss A.D. Your marriage needs to be protected mm-hmm. at all times. And then and even when things are tough. And those outlier people, even though they may have the best of intentions, they can they can accidentally plant seeds that right, don't need to right. be there. Right. They just don't need to be there. So if you get through premarital counseling, through marriage counseling, through the through having people who are objective, the right people in the mix of it, you guys need to learn to have the tools to work things out amongst yourselves. Right. But outside of but but outside of that, no, it is a no. Full time, there is there is no limit. It just does not get shared. Period. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the only the only time I personally think that it should be shared is when you know someone's being hurt physically, right? right. You know, like right. you know, abuse of some sort. Then of course, then you need to, you need to shout to the hills. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and would we say that that's the that's where I think the thing that I've always been interested to learn about, right? And I I've been trying to wrap my head around this sort of idea, right, is that there at some point comes a bit of a transition between a girlfriend and a wife. And I think to your point, Amanda, is that when you start to like really understand that, you know, as close as like sisters can be, and when I say sisters, I don't mean necessarily because they're kin, I mean just close-knit circles of women. And for guys, close-knit circles of friends, as close as we may be, there does, there does come a point where it's like, I love the homies to death, but certain things that happen between me and my girl are just none of their concern. Be them big or small things. They're just, at some point, it's just like, I, we just don't need to be talking about it. Right. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is that you're able to forgive the person way easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can have a fight, and in the next five minutes, I can go back and I can apologize for my actions and things that I did. But with your mom... You know, she's not going to see me apologizing, you know. So I think the biggest thing is with the couple, you're able to forgive quicker. Whereas with other people, when you tell them they're not seeing the other side of your person, you know, or or your partner. So that's why, you know, I I like to keep it between us. Now, what you do is you find a constructive outlet. So you find for me. So my biggest thing is anything that I want to be in life. I find men um, who are those things. So. I want to be married. So what I did was, um, actually, Amanda encouraged me to do this. I had I have a small group um, of men in my church, and on a, every the first month, first Saturday, and the third Saturday, we go to, we go to the small groups. And every time I have issues, instead of it 
you know, talking with my friends, I talk about it with these men. And the reason why is that we all are at different stages in life. So I can't, you know, at this point I was, we were boyfriend and girlfriend, but I knew that I wanted to take it to the next level with this woman. And at that point, most of my friends were not at that stage. So the fights, conversations that we would have, I needed to take it to a different sets of group that did not know her, that wouldn't judge her because they could give me a more objective answer. Mm. Right. Right. And I think that's also really, really important, right? Because when you have friends that know your business, like you said, AD, like you can forgive your significant other for an argument relatively quickly because conflict is rather, is always going to happen in relationships. But when you tell other people, then that adds in their opinion and then they want to compare how they would have treated a situation. And then whether you want to admit it or not, the pride and the ego comes into the fray. And now you almost feel like you have to make that other person suffer to please these people that are on the outside of the situation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, let me jump into something that I was thinking about. Conflict on the greater scale. Did did you guys get a greater sense of what would constitute healthy conflict and healthy dialogue um, versus things that are unproductive and unhealthy? Did the class kind of give you an understanding of that? Because I think a lot of people are averse to arguing and they think that the less arguing, the better the relationship. And that's not always the case. One of the things that I truly enjoyed in the class and the one-on-one session is really peeling the layers and going back. So a lot of things come from our childhood. For example, the reason why finances are so important to me was because um, I grew up very humbly. You know, my parents didn't really have a lot. Um, there were a lot of things that I couldn't get. Um, and I'm grateful for that, right? Because it's helped me become the man that I am today. And as I start to have my family, there are certain things that I want to be, that I want to be afforded to with them. So, you know, in terms of the question conflict resolution, being Nigerian, um, I come from a household where the male is very dominated. Uh, doesn't mean it's right. Uh, doesn't mean it's wrong, depending on who you talk to. But that had a... That had dominant. A, right? Dominant. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, dominant. Again, I told you about the vernacular guy. <laughs> um, so I, I saw how that was affecting my relationship in terms of not being able to communicate when things, you know, were wrong. Um, yeah, so they gave us, going back to his point, yeah, I, yeah, it, there was a, there was a wall there and, and I don't think that has anything to truly to do with you being Nigerian. I think uh, you're Nigerian, so it's, it's probably personified a little bit more, but that's, that's, that's men, a lot, a lot of men. There isn't, there isn't that space of vulnerability when things, when things get tough or when you need to talk, when you, you get, sh- women tend to get shut out. And, um, and I think, um, that like you said, that comes from childhood. Probably as a, as a little boy, you're told to suck it up, yeah. not told to, to, to show your emotions or your feelings. And, and that's truthfully, I don't think that's right. I mean, that's an, again, that's an opinion. I don't think that's right. Just because of your gender, you're not supposed to feel right. that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You know, right, you're right, human, right. you know? So, um, in the class, they taught, they, they kind of got to the root of that a little bit. Like, why do we respond the way we respond? Cause, cause our actions are outcomes, but it's like, what's the why behind the what that comes out? Mm. So, so we tend, so what we tend, what we did, we did this, um, exercise. Oh, do you remember the triangle exercise or it was you, me and God in the middle? 
Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. yeah um, so we did this exercise, and um, it was a it was a triangle, and at the peak of the triangle was God, or who whatever your belief system. We we just happen to be Christians, but um, but um, it was God, and then on the left side it was me, and on the right side it was a D. And if you took one out, or if you pulled one away, it was it was unbalanced. It was completely imbalanced. And and um and what to to say all that is to say one we keep we keep Christ in the middle of our relationship, and then two, outside of that, it the the tools that they they gave us it it gave us these this ideal of why we responded the way we respond, mm-hmm. and um and learned those learned compassion learn to compromise because everything just doesn't require a response. I know as a woman, especially I'm going to talk purely from experience. I'm quick. I'm quick to, to say what's in my mind. I'm quick to, to, to call you out on your mess. It's not right. It's, in, it's injustice. <laughs> I'm quick to say whatever it is. But in, in the class, I learned that it, everything just doesn't require a response. And some things, are, some things can be handled gentler. Some things can be handed with a little bit more um, compassion and kindness, and, and and you tend to get your you tend to get your response across a lot easier. Yeah. So one of the biggest things was um, like one of the things that we learned was writing your feelings down, because in the heat of the moment you're gonna say things that are hurtful because you're hurt and you're running on high emotions. And when you write it down, you know, you truly get an opportunity to process your feelings. Um, and sort of a rule that we've made up is to never go to bed angry at, um, angry at each other. Um, and, uh, no name calling. Uh, no name calling. That's a big one. Oh, no cussing at each other. Yeah, no cussing at each other. Um, because you should be smart enough to be able to articulate how you feel. Oh. And the last one was, you know, resolving every issue within 24 hours. But it shouldn't even get to 24 hours, right, because you're not supposed to go to bed angry. So, you know, these things we we practice. And the, the thing that I even find that is more, you know, uh, I, I guess good is that you tend to even apologize quicker. You don't even allow it to go towards that night because the quicker you can get over the problem, get over the fight, the quicker you guys are back just loving each other again. All right. Wow. That's deep. Very. That's deep. Very. Okay, so can we switch um, switch to a different topic? Still about premarital counseling, but I'm assuming you guys want to have children eventually. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you guys discuss your parenting styles and how you plan to parent your kids. But I'm always interested to know if people discuss what they will do if they are unable to have kids. Did you guys discuss that? You know, because there are obviously many options, ado- um, adoption, um, in vitro, all that stuff. So did you guys discuss that or, you know, what your options could be if that potentially happens? Honestly, no, I'll, I'll just be honest. No, we haven't we haven't really gone that deep. It, I know it's probably it's one of those things that kind of hover yeah. Over your mind. Right. Just like. And I think that's why I wanted to know because I feel like that always kind of like sits on me. And I just watch like a lot of random TV shows and I see these people who are unable to have kids either for the woman um, being infertile or for the man. It can go both ways. It can. And I just see how it can really hurt somebody if they they haven't thought about that or it's like they haven't really 
they ha- they aren't able to communicate with one another to process that together. Right. Or, or like in the case where it is so unexpected, I could see how it is problematic when, say, the man um, is having complications and then the woman's like, well, I wish I would have known this before because right. so on and so forth and obviously vice but, versa. But I mean, but things change. That's the thing. Like you can be fertile today but we get married tomorrow and we don't want to have kids for another five years things could change within that time frame and i think like that communication during um if that was to ever possibly happen to someone that communication really does change a relationship because that really is like a that's a big moment you know and a lot of people don't know how to communicate that with one another you know it can bring you really close together or it can tear you apart yeah. So my um my mom, she was told um she was told that she couldn't have children. Now she had three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. so it 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 is it's one of those things like I've I've always had and actually my older sister was told she couldn't have children either. Wow. By a doctor. She has two. Wow. So it's always been and I'm gonna go pure faith here. I mean, again, this is my opinion, but it's always just been one of those things like if, if God wants me to have them out then my womb will be open right but and i i think one thing and you can correct me if i'm wrong um ad but i think that one thing that we have put a lot of value in is in us we put a lot of value in us like Mm -hmm. it's kids don't make us you know like I, i see that sometimes with relationships and marriages that like sometimes they'll have kids as a as a last resort right and then say that kid doesn't come then we're done Mm-hmm. So we see children as, and they're beautiful, they're beautiful and wonderful, they are, but they don't make us because they're going to be here for about 18 to 25 years and then they're going to be gone. And then what's going to be left? Right. Us. Right. So we have to make sure that we're good. Mm-hmm. So it's, children are, children, in, again, an opinion, just an opinion, just for me, children to me are, are like the the cherry on top of the ice cream mm, okay. but the ice cream the it sundae, doesn't make it it doesn't make it right. it doesn't make it doesn't make it and if they and if they come if if the if the if there is that point where my, i'm i'm not working or he's not working then we'll we're probably gonna have to you know work through it because right. i know there's gonna be some some sort of emotional right. there i know that i right. know i know myself me a, a feeling of incompleteness or something like mm-hmm. that um but I mean, but we have us, right? You know that that is I. As long as I don't lose my best friend, exactly. That's huge to me, you right. know. So, well, yeah, that's real. That's real. I mean, I think that communication is like so key, and like I said, I really feel like that can make or break a relationship. And making sure that that communication is there from the beginning, and just like you said, being happy with the person that you're with, so that if it is only you two you're good, you know, so that, that's really good. Right. I think the, the thing that I feel I'm learning about the two of you, as I hear you talk about it, is that that experience, um, further solidified your bond in each other, because at the end of the day, you realize that it's about the two of you guys. Right. And I'm sure, and I don't know if you guys want to speak to it, but I'm sure that, um, after going through that, your bond together only grew stronger. Right. And well, the thing, go ahead, Eddie. Oh, no, yeah, I was going to agree with you. Um, and I guess the thing with counseling is, you, is it's not a one-and-done thing. It's something that you do continuously. Mm-hmm. You're always seeking help. You're always 
finding um, new ways to understand your partner and love them because you have to realize the same, you know, woman that I met at 22 and now at 27 is completely different. You know, she's going to have different needs, different wants. Um, right. So I always have to continuously learn how to adapt and love and, you know, grow with her as we embarking on this journey called life. Feels 